Blog Talk Radio. She had breast cancer, 
and it was right around the time she got a new job. Everything's good. She's fine. They called it really early, but, oh, my gosh, she had just gotten a new job. All kinds of things were happening. And so it was beautiful, but it was so funny because I was like, how is y'all going to, how is anybody going to keep a surprise for me because I play my own shit? <laughs> right? So it was crazy. It was good. But they did a great job. And this particular friend helped me with my my pole dancing party that I had. So I had this big uh, pole. I love po- I really like pole dancing. <laughs> I wish I could do it, though. <laughs> I feel like, you know, one day I'm going to catch it. I just need to have consistent classes for it, right? I like the pole. <laughs> Not to do it for a living, but you know what I'm saying, for, you know, for fun times, yeah, I like it, <laughs> right? Like I like sexy dance and everything. I was so, you know, I'm so, I think I'm so stiff. But I, this time I had such a great time. Uh, I mean, I had fun times before with my pole dancing parties, but this birthday was so great. So many friends came out. We had a great time. My little sisters came to the uh, to uh, my uh, pole dancing party. We had we had such a good time. And this time I really took it seriously, right? <laughs> so it was fun. I would never show the video in life. <laughs> but if we had a great, great time. I mean, and you know, some of us dressed up, you know, in our stripper cot. I did, you know, and a couple of my girlfriends, maybe two or three of us, we all had kind of, you know, we're supposed to wear, some of us didn't, but we were supposed to wear sexy outfits or something kind of like that. So it was fun. I, it was a blast. I had a great time. Then I had dinner Saturday night. My, all my friends took me out to eat. It was so fun. Some of my best girlfriends. So I just, I love the weekend. It's my 50th. I'm half a century. Yes. <laughs> How does it feel? I don't, you know what? It feels i tell you what, after pole dancing, because I was really trying to take it seriously, really seriously, even though I've been drinking a little bit, <laughs> well, because I was trying to take it seriously, my ankles been hurt. <laughs> Not real bad, but just a little. <laughs> I was like, I was doing too much. <laughs> but I had, I mean, it was, so I, so I do feel, I guess I feel a little ache in my body, but other than that, I mean, I I I don't feel I I I don't know if I feel any different. I've been preparing for this moment, right? For fifty, right? Like, what that? What does that mean? You know, because you know, as much as we try as women to encourage ourselves as we age, it is still a battle for you as a woman. You know what I'm saying? You're like, oh my god. I'm getting older. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, it's, I mean, thank God. No, you know what I'm saying? But it's still there. It's still that battle within you about, you know, a wrinkle here, a this there. <laughs> you know, just the the things of life, the journey of life. So even though you, in your mind, you're putting it up in your mind, has a beautiful journey, it still sometimes is a little bit of a journey where you're going, <sighs> wow, <laughs> yeah, I'm. this is the fifth decade, I'm no longer a kid, you know what I'm saying, and it's, it's I mean, it, there's still that little bit of struggle, but I 
I'm, I have a youthful heart, so I feel like, and, you know, I have grandparents. I was raised by my grandparents are very youthful acting, especially my granny, okay? So I feel, and they're in their 80s now, <laughs> and so I feel like, you know, they show me what it is to maintain your energy and your youthfulness as you get older in your own way. So, yeah, I, you know, I I'm excited about it. I'm excited about fifth decade. I feel like this is going to be a great decade. God, I really do. I can't really. I wish I could tell. You know, I feel like all the great things for me are happening right now. <laughs> Stuff I thought was going to happen in my 20s is happening now, which is weird. <laughs> but I'm good. I'm excited. It's a beautiful thing, okay? So, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's me. I had my 50th birthday celebration. Shout out to all my wonderful girlfriends who came out and made it such a beautiful celebration, old and new friends. I was like, my heart is still full. I had such a beautiful time, man, this weekend. And even my when I got home, my husband did a lot of great stuff. It was neat. It was, it was fun. And you know, my anniversary is the 30th, right? <laughs> so I was, it was like, you know, it's like I, my anniversary is Put in between my birthday and my, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. People say I planned it. I really did not. I really wasn't thinking of it. But I always laugh because I say my my marriage is a my marriage. I did not only am I a Scorpio, but I I created a Scorpio marriage, <laughs> which is crazy. Okay, so yeah, so interesting. So I have all these things going on in this month, and then in late November, I'm having my directorial debut for theater. I'm excited. Ooh. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited about the process so far, how it's gone. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. So I can't wait to see, uh, the, you know, how it turns out. But it's, uh, I think we had a couple of weeks ago, so November the 19th at UTA. So I'll, I'll announce it to you guys if you want to come to it. It's going to be in the Fine Arts uh, Black Box 143. So you guys, it's one and it's, a, it's two shows on Saturday. It's one at 1:30 and one at 7:30. So it's, I'm excited. <laughs> I can't wait. You know, it's my first time. I've learned so many things about directing. <laughs> learned so many like mistakes, bad mistakes, good mistakes, whatever. But I'm excited. So all, a lot of great things happening in my graduation. You know, all that stuff. So. I, yeah, so really, uh, yeah, it's been really a good week. Now I've got to get my mind back, mindset back in the, like, in my day-to-day grind because I've had such a wonderful last few days. My birthday season is always great, okay? Y'all always have the bomb birthday season. <laughs> I love Scorpio season, so, yeah, so I always have a great birthday season. Oh, and, and, and. and. My favorite thing, what was that? My friends. Okay, so got to talk about this. Um, my friends, when I come, so they go, "What was you, you went to Little Rock?" You know, so we're we're at the party, and I'm like, "Cause you know, I got to play Maxwell." <laughs> They're like, "Oh no, here we go." Right, so when Maxwell goes on, like, I'm like, oh, no, and the, the teacher's, the person who's the pole dancing teacher is laughing because I'm like, can we get some Maxwell here or whatever? 
But you know what song they were all requesting? I could not believe it. You would think Pretty Wings, Bad Habits, or what's the other songs? Or uh, Till the Cops Come Knocking. No. They were asking for off. I was like, are you serious? serious?" (laughs) They was like, oh, I love that song. I was like, really? Maybe it's your age. Is this the age group? (laughs) They can't believe I didn't hardly like it. I was like, I like it, but I don't like it. And so they were laughing, but they all loved off. I was like a hit at the party, right? So... (laughs) So, like, so my song that I really like, I played a couple songs that I really like, but, you know, off was like the one. I could not believe it. It was kind of shocking, <laughs> right? So, it, yeah, so a lot of people like off. I was like, really? oh, my God, really? Is this, is this not me? It must be, you know, it's not, it's growing on me. It's grown on me. But I was like shocked <laughs> that that was a request of my friends. But anyway, so they all know I met Maxwell. So they're like, oh, my God, please, oh, my God, you're, okay. Where's the picture? I was like, you know, his people lied, said three to four days. But, you know, somebody let me know who had done a lot of meet and greet. Several people let me know it was more like three to four weeks. <laughs> so I was like, oh, they there. They, it's like that, huh? So, yeah, so I was telling them about the plastic. I, You know, I was telling them, I told them the whole experience about the plastic and how he was shaking hands with people. They was like, what? You know, yes, because I'm like, why you had the plastic? You gonna be shaking hands with people? <laughs> I said they better be glad I didn't have no second round of meet and greets because I would have said something. But it was funny. But so it was like, but I was like, I had, I really loved it, and I, they were laughing because I was like, I really can't remember. I only remember a certain. It was so fast. So I only remember a certain portion of it. So they were all laughing because I was like, I remember him. Vending down. I was, you know, I was trying to tell because I was trying to take, as I told y'all last week, I was trying to take in his aura. So they laughed. They had a great laugh about the whole Maxwell meeting. They all want me to shut up now that I've met Maxwell. They are now saying they don't even know if they want to see the pic because <laughs> am I going to be doing, like, group chat blasts with <laughs> Like something in the picture. I was like, my best birthday gift ever. <laughs> They're like, oh, hell. Are we all going to get a postcard of Maxwell for Christmas? <laughs> I'm like, no, because he got plastic. It looks divided. I'm like, no, because the pictures I've seen, you know, like the ones that people have done, the divided little pictures or whatever, with the plastic in between, even though he's about, he's like on the other side of the plastic, he's close to you, but it's not real close, but he's close enough. Those pictures look like there's a division, right? Like, to me, I could tell, you know, or whatever. So I was like, no, I'm not really going to do a postcard if it was like a, a, a like a picture <laughs> where he was actually next to me or something. I would see y'all postcards. <laughs> they were like, oh, no. <laughs> Thank God for plastic. <laughs> so that was the ongoing joke at my birthday. <laughs> birthday party, my birthday weekend. My friends are laughing about the whole Maxwell meet and greet, the plastic. I had jokes. They laughing at me. And, you know, they're like, are you going to ever do a Lenny Kravitz meet and greet? I was like, Lenny, no. I was like, no, we're going too far. 
I like Lenny Kravitz. I love Lenny Kravitz, but I wouldn't do a meet and greet. <laughs> but we, but it, but we, and then we talked about Janet. I was like, oh yeah, I'm definitely doing Janet meet and greet, no doubt. Okay, so yeah, so we, it was, it was great. We, it was so fun. I had a blast. I can't tell y'all. I really did. I enjoyed my fiftieth. I had a good time. Okay. Also, I went to see this week two movies. I had to catch up on my movies, right? I went to go see Black Adam, even though it wasn't nothing black about it. It was more, it should have been. Was he Arab? What was he in the movie? Middle East? What was he supposed to be? I was like, it's the right. I knew he should I knew he couldn't be black. <laughs> I mean, even on a scholar of Black Adam, right? But let me just say this. That has got to be DC Flick's best, 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 best movie. Yes, better than Wonder Woman, the first one, not the second one. Better than the first Wonder Woman was good. The first one was good. But this, this Black Adam was so good. So many twists and turns. I didn't think about, more, uh, about DC Comics is it looks so dark, so dark. I thought, like, can y'all change the filter out of the film? And it's always so dark. The <laughs> but this has got to be their best one. I loved it. Like, I would see that again. Like, it was that good. Seriously. I enjoyed it. I really did. It was so many twists and turns. I just liked it. Okay, it was good. Even though I could tell they were boring a little bit from Marvel here and there, the Wakanda shit, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but <clears throat> it was more fantasy. I liked it. Oh, my God, I enjoyed it so much. Yeah, Black Adam, good. Then I went to see Teal, okay? <sighs> Let me just say this, Okay. Oh, the actors in this movie is so good. Such a good movie. The lady, the one young lady who plays the star, she did a help. First, at first I was shaky on her. But then as the story goes on, oh, my God. Greatness. Acting, I mean, just great, just great acting. It's a very, you know, people know the story of Emmett Till. A lot of people do not. I'm very surprised at how many people do not know the story of Emmett Till. Really, I am very surprised, you know. You know, don't know exactly, or it happened so long ago. People don't, I'm very familiar with the story of Emmett Till. So I was like, so it was, um, oh, my God, it was such a powerful, powerful movie. And it makes me even more Dogged on lineage on what, you know, shout out to Yvette Cornell and Antonio Moore and what they're promoting with Adolf with lineage, American descendants of slaves, and how reparations is important to us. I mean, you know, not only did our people get tortured through the act of being enslaved, but also those hundred, hundred years that followed after uh, the Emancipation Proclamation, you know, the Jim Crow years, the lynching, just all the horrific things. And Emmett Till is just one story. There are so many stories within that hundred years, so many stories. So <clears throat> what they're the work they're doing with Adolf, I, I, always, I have to shout them out on that because, it is important. It's important, 
it's only thing, you know, there's some things I have with Yvette and them that I really don't, because I don't like territorial shit. You know what I'm saying? When people, when it starts sounding territory, when you get mad at other groups, because to me it's just like it's a waste of your energy. But I understand they feel like they got to protect their uh, intellectual property. But to me it just seems like when you argue with other people, it's a turn off to people, those who may want to help you. You know what I'm saying? It's people just simply, and, you know, if hey, that's their flow. You know what I'm saying? That's I, I ain't got nothing against Do what you got to do. But, uh, you know, I do think their work is imperative to uh, what, what black folks need as far as reparations is concerned and as far as the future of black America is concerned because with the implement, implementation of globalism, Black America is becoming less and less important to political spheres. So, you know, now we're important right now because the Democrats are trying to get you out there with all kind of bullshit. But, you know, uh, I think black people are starting to see the writing on the wall. (laughs) And uh, hopefully we we get, we start to um, see, see, See the see that we don't owe these groups anything. I mean, we don't owe these politicians and po- uh, political uh, political uh, parties anything. Specifically, the Democrats. We are not obligated to vote Democrat. We're not obligated to the Democrats. Okay, and um, I'm not telling you not to go vote. I'm telling you, you ain't got to vote for the Democrats. And I'm telling you, you can vote for who you can put Snoopy in there if you want to, but you don't got to vote for them. And especially, I re- you know, I didn't know something last night when I was watching Teal. It was 2022 before they passed the anti-lynching bill. Over 50 years after Emmett Till, 1955, Emmett Till happened. It's 2022, and the Democrats, with they punk asses been sitting up in there for fifty over fifty some years and couldn't get that pass. That tells you we. I mean, we got at some point we got to be tired of the bullshit with them. You know what I'm saying? I mean, really. I mean, they so full of shit. I, I, I and you know they have not helped us. And I, I feels like I just that particular film showed me how important lineage is. Just to our fight and how important it is to draw the line about who we are as uh, as black people. We're not just black. We're American descendants of slaves. Or we're foundation, whatever you want to call yourself, foundation of black America, traditional black America. That is important. And it's important that we define ourselves even more so. So, yeah, yeah, very powerful film. Um, yeah, but even though there were some messages in there, you know, you see some messages. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's going to be a messagey film. But you know where they tried the Democratic Shielded message? <laughs> but uh, very interesting, okay? Um, so go check that out. Also, let's see. Uh, oh, is it time for It's a Word? You know what? I was, like, going back and forth. I was like, Dang, what am I going to make out? It's a word this week because I really don't have one. <laughs> but I, but really, I, it was something I said to, 
my friends this week because they we gathered and we had you know pole dance and party for a few hours and we had fun. It was so, oh I didn't even talk about the food. Oh my god, let me just say this sidebar. They had a whole, like, candy table full of all kinds of candy, candy bars with Keisha's 50th birthday. <laughs> it was so cool. A stripper cake. <laughs> I mean, all kinds of goodies. It was so much food, so much shit, drinks, jello shots, with vodka. <laughs> It was like it was it was so cool, okay. But yeah, but as I was gathered back to my Issa word, as I was gathered, as I gathered with friends and stuff, this hit. It made me the older I get, the more I really am starting to realize the importance of time and the importance of people who give you their time. You know what I'm saying? Because it's a lot of people who say they bore you. It's a lot of people who can say all kinds of things. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm I'm for you. I'm this and that. But it's different when people give you their time. When people give you uh, a a moment, you know, with uh, a a moment in time, like, like with my friends coming out. You know, I didn't pay for their time. They came out for, just for me to celebrate my 50th birthday and knowing how important that was to me. And that's a beautiful thing. And so I guess this week, oh, it was, what is the, it was, let me see if I got the quote up. Let me put it up. Y'all know how I be, I be messing on this show. I didn't have the quote up, so let me get it up. Hold on. Uh, it's a word. Taking a long time <laughs> to pull up what I need to pull up. Okay, your it's a word this week is. Uh uh-uh. uh. Where is that? I'm slow. Okay, it says the greatest gift you can give someone is your time, because when you give your time, you are given a portion of your life that you will never get back. So when somebody gives you their time. Value it, you know what I'm saying? Like value, and when they give it to you freely, you know what I'm saying? Or when they give it to you, just when people show up for you, people are, you know, um, people that and that means a lot to me. When people show up to me for me, when people are there, I, I remember that. So I love things like that. You know what I'm saying? It's a beautiful thing when people can give you their time because time is so valuable in this day and age. And time is so valuable the older you get. I mean, when you're young, you be spreading yourself thin. But when you're older, you be trying to conserve your energy and you be trying to pick because you got so many things going on. You got family, you got uh, people, you you know, uh, so many people where you have obligations and things. So when somebody hands you a moment of their time, men appreciate it and understand that they gave you a portion of their life energy, their um of their of 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 their life energy for you for a moment in time and cherish it. So I guess that's what I will say, yes y'all, it's a word this week is that cherish the time you give to others and cherish the time especially that other people give to you. 
you know what I'm saying, respected. When somebody comes out of their, um, you know, goes out of their way to see you or comes out of their way to spend some time with you or spend 30 minutes or 20 minutes or an hour or a couple of hours or whatever, how how beautiful that is, okay? Or if they're there for you for a moment, okay? That That's a powerful thing, okay? And they give it to you uh, in a way that's freely. You know, that's when you really start to see who's for you and who ain't for you, right? When somebody can, when somebody spend their time on you, that means they uh, they really, really care for you, okay? All right, y'all. So that's y'all. It's a word. Oh, God, what's next? What else do I got to talk about out here in these streets? <laughs> All right, so when we get back, we're going to talk about the news. Okay, DHS, it's some major uh, stuff that just dropped uh, from uh, – the Intercept.com, the Intercept's one of my favorite uh, things to look at. They always have some uh, some deep stuff come out, but they're saying leaked documents outline DHS's plans to police disinformation. Now, when you start seeing shit where people are talking about policing disinformation, that's some scary shit. When government, what justifies, what is disinformation? Because you could be very well saying political things and the government can shut you down talking about disinformation. Ah, it's getting to be a really strange world we living in, a really censored world here in America, okay? So we're going to talk about that, talk about North Korea up here uh, shooting missiles. Well, they launching missiles and all that stuff. Talk about Nancy Lowe, uh, Nancy Pelosi, Democrats worrying about the black vote. Child, they should be. <laughs> all right? And um, also, you know, I want to take a moment because it's been so many rappers. Let me tell y'all, I get so sick of hearing about rappers getting Killed. I, I mean, really, it's a lot. It's a lot, and this ain't even the crack era. The crack era didn't. Even, I don't even remember when the crack era them having this much. And you know, we had a discussion about this. You know, first because the first the rumors was out there. Let me and let me just let me just say before I get into this because I'm gonna take a moment to talk about this before I go to break. But um, Migos rapper Takeoff shot dead in Houston. This is according to the New York Post. And they were saying, you know, rapper uh, Takeout Best Known has one third of the hip-hop group Migos was shot and killed Tuesday morning, a rep confirmed. The Grammy-nominated hit maker, uh, whose real name is Kershrick Carey Ball, I hope I'm saying that right, died in a shooting after a fight broke out over a, well, they thought it was a dice game. Okay, I don't know what happened. This is several witnesses that they say, uh, was there, but um, Hugh, and a lot of people were upset because people were showing the footage of this shooting, and people were like, oh, respect the families, but you know what, after seeing Emmett Till's, let me tell you something, I, and I'm, I'm going to go somewhere where people ain't going to like, but that's all right. After seeing Emmett Till's story, I'm like, show the footage. Show the footage because it's no different. What 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 happened to Emmett Till? Racism, hate is still a part. Even though this is these are probably black on black crime, it's still hate. Show what hate can do. What stupidity can do. 
what hateful words produce. Really? Show that shit. You know, to his family, to Takeout's family, uh, you know, my condolences. Very sad. Now, when I heard it was a dice game, I kept saying, they can't be too hood because at one thing I knew when I was growing up, you know, and there was always rumors that Migos was really from the suburbs. A lot of people were saying they're from a nice part of Georgia or something like that. I'm not sure. But um, I, but a lot of a lot of y'all want to be hood. I, I don't understand because the hood, it was, a, it, was, it was a hard. And I grew up in, like, kind of the nicer part of the hood, and it was still rough. <laughs> so I'm like... I'm like, I don't understand y'all's fascination. And I'm not talking about him in particular, but the fascination surrounding gangsterism, rap, hood. I mean, it shit's crazy, okay? Um, but when I heard it was a dice game, I said, shit, one thing I knew growing up. And you know what? It's so funny because when I was a kid, you know, my, uh, I ain't going to say who in my family taught me how to shoot dice. <laughs> but, but one thing you, we knew, has, I knew growing up, is that you as a young person, you don't want to be around no dice games. When I used to see dice games, when I'd be walking down the street, so I said, oh, them Negroes is over there doing dice, doing dice games. Let me make sure I'm far away. Because dice games used to be one of the most dangerous things from the, Especially in the 70s and 80s. I mean, it was an old game. But them dice corner games, shit. I always say, this dice, them dice corner games come with spirits. For real, spirits of death. Because when people losing money and getting frustrated and shit, and, you know, you dealing with people who ain't got no money. I don't know what was happening, what happened there. Now they're saying it wasn't a dice game. I don't know. But I knew, I said, you Anybody who saw a dice game, like if I would have saw a dice game, I would be like, "Oop, I'm out of here," because you know, if you come, if you really from the hood, the hardcore hood, you know, like, "Oh shit, there's a dice game." You know the, that is people. I know people used to pack and go to with guns to dice games, so that shit's crazy. You know, so, so that if that was that was it, that was has a has a professional person in the in show. You need to be away from that kind of shit. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, because somebody said something about, oh, it's just like black people to blame each other, uh, blame themselves, uh, blame the person who got killed, death, blame them for their death. No, but you have to use wisdom. Wisdom is important. Now, you can get killed. Anybody can get killed anything. You know what I'm saying? Life is a strange thing. But what I'm saying is try to use wisdom so you don't be in some crazy shit, Okay. And it just sound like they had a private party or whatever. But when you rapping, y'all better get security because <clears throat> y'all deal with rough people. And it's a spirit of death running all through that hip-hop thing. And, you know, here's what I suspect about hip-hop now because Kanye has, has to me, and which I'm going to talk a little bit on the show, I feel like he, he was revealing some things he didn't even mean to reveal when he was talking about people's certain stuff with feds and stuff like that. Feds are probably all through hip-hop. Y'all probably mixed with criminals and feds. Criminals who look like they're criminals is probably feds. <laughs> I mean, it's probably all kinds of shit going on up in hip-hop because it draws 
even though hip-hop is such a brilliant uh, <coughs> talent and genre, it, but that it, it draws a spirit of 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 um, a spirit of death, and it draws a spirit of, of 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 even though there's a spirit of revolution within it, it also draws people to it that are not so revolutionary, but can be who are drawn to the energy of a revolutionary, but. Instead, they are stuck in uh, not in um, pushing forward the culture like a revolutionary would do, but they're more incentivized with the warriorism that comes with revolutionary things, right? You know what I'm saying? The war warrior uh, like spirit that it takes to be a revolutionary. So you will have people who are drawn to the spirit, the revolutionary spirit that is within hip-hop, right? And they will be drawn to that, but not really wanting to push a culture forward or push uh, something forward, but wanting to, but only wanting to participate in the warrior energy. And they'll do that no matter what the fuck is going on, right? So they'll participate in it, and it, and it draws in it ugly elements of criminality and all kinds of things. Facts. You gotta be very careful. Even when you're trying to do something good, you know, you gotta always be careful of all the things, the elements that your particular, uh, even in, in music, anything genre draws. Because with these, with this, with this such revolutionary sound that a uh, Black American people created, <laughs> uh, that it, um, it draws. People to want to rap about um, things that carry with it violence and ugliness and stuff like that. And words produce energy. I'm telling y'all straight up, I said this last time. We talking about another rapper on here that got killed. Y'all gonna y'all gonna keep playing with these little spirits and he, them little spirits are all around hip hop. I'm just saying. Yeah. And you never know what, listen, and also you never know what these executives and record executives and stuff, it might be cheaper. To add, uh, I'm not saying, you know, I'm, this is my conspiracy theory. You know, I'm not saying I'm not accusing nobody of this, but you never know. You know what I'm saying? It might be easier to off your ass for a peasant uh, a peasant contract. <laughs> I mean, a peasant insurance policy or some shit. Just my conspiracy theory. <laughs> My little bit of disinformation, maybe what people would consider disinformation, but shit, I'd be watching out for it, okay, because it's too many. It's just crazy, all right? So just prayers uh, for his family. And you know what? I'll just say this to you kids, too. A lot of y'all kids grew up with better lives. Your family, your mamas and daddies, you know, they came out of the crack era, crack era and they was in, growing up in these hoods and they decided to raise you in a little bit more better environment. And they tried to shield you from all the uh, 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 ugly things that they grew up with, even though it made them tough, tougher than you. And a lot of times when I find, even with my friends, their children are still attracted to it, especially suburban kids, you know. They always want to be, you know, 
hardcore when there's no fucking need to be hardcore. You was raised up there in the suburbs. Ain't no reason to be fucking hardcore. I'm not, I'm not you know, I'm just saying a lot of, and a, what we have in rap today, you know, is a lot, it's a lot of little sub, I'm not, I'm not saying them, I'm not talking about Migos, I'm just talking about a lot of some kids who come in who coming out of suburbs and stuff and they tend to glorify this myth of the hood. <laughs> when they don't know shit about the hood. <laughs> they don't know the survival skills and shit it took to be in that shit. Wake up in the middle of the night, gunshots ringing out. All right, when you uh all right, that helicopter shining lights in your fucking windows. <laughs> Serious. No, 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 no. It was it was a, the eighties and the nineties was a time of post traumatic stress. Late seventies, eighties, nineties. Oh my god! You know what I'm saying? So listen, be glad about your upbringing. Find something else to rap about. Shit! Quit glorifying something that shit wasn't. Technically, it was great in some ways because it helped develop toughness in, 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 you know, but today's, I mean, the hoods today's are being gentrified and shit. It's not the same as it was in the 80s and the 90s, okay? And really sometimes it depends on the city. They're not as dangerous because the gentrification's happening. They're dangerous but not as dangerous. So all I'm saying is quit glorifying a time you know nothing about are a cycle of criminality you know nothing about. Or telling a story for somebody you heard. <laughs> you know, just those words have power. And, you know, I heard it was somebody, a celebrity I saw put up, you know, they were talking about, what did they say? Prayer, prayer is great. What did they say? Prayer is great, but you need policy. I'm like, you must not know. Policy? Hold on. <laughs> they were talking about gun. They was, I said the only person that's going to follow the policy, if you ever, if you grew up in the hood, the only person going to follow the policy of, of not having a gun is citizens who really follow the law. But if you grew up in the motherfucking hood, you knew kids, I mean, the, uh, a lot of the people that had guns and stuff didn't give a shit about the law. <laughs> I think criminals would get guns anywhere, on the streets, all kind of shit. Your policy don't give, they wouldn't have gave a shit about it. I saw some celebrity tweet that after this young man got killed, talking about, you know, we need effective policy. Shit, effective policy wouldn't do shit. And some of the cities with the toughest gun laws, they hoods are the worst. Here's what it is. Okay, I'm just telling y'all facts. Okay, because that's not the problem. The problems that you have to address is morality problems, problems not only from a, on a moral stance for individuals, but a, 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 a pro, um, what creates hunger and poverty and a poverty mentality. These are deep-seated po- uh, 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 problems that politicians love to gloss over with gun control policies. But that's because they're so scared for you to get too deep about why people shoot and kill, you know, as far, especially in these urban centers, why people shoot and kill each other. They don't want to get that deep because we be looking at them motherfuckers and be like, what the fuck, you ain't doing shit, right? Because you'd, you'd understand how policy, economic policy, how politics affect 
not gun control laws, how policy and politics and all these things affect how those how people live and how they move. And especially when you're coming out of a lineage like ADOS, where poverty is at an all-time high. And America hasn't addressed the issues and the problems uh, uh, from the slave trade to now with the people. So it, it, it's a um, it's a very powerful thing. And it's one of the things, it's just getting off of the whole rapper shooting thing or whatever, but just getting on to something else. It is important black folks stop realizing the more, when I watch Emmett Till's movie, the more it reminded me that our story is different. There's no way, we shouldn't have to say every time we talk about black issues and black and brown, because brown has not had, their issues are not our issues. That's why affirmative action is being gutted right now in the Supreme Court, because it's a problem of lineage. Affirmative action was to address discrimination and racism towards the descendants of the slaves and what happened in America to those people. And so when you when when America started adding all kind of other stuff in there, it it stopped doing any. You know who benefited off of affirmative action? White women. Because it wasn't about. Lineage, which shout out to Yvette for pointing that out. Lineage is the main factor and the only factor when we we have to redress those problems. And we can't keep comparing ourselves with other minority groups, even other black groups from other black cultures, because we have a different story in America. We are the only group of people who did not immigrate here besides Native Americans. Our story is way different. As a matter of fact, even I love you that Yvette points out, Yvette Cornell points out about the story of of the Statue of Liberty. It's really actually about the uh, freedom of the slave. If you look it up, they've made it an immigration thing over there. But it's really, these are issues they try to wipe out the story. America does not want to address what they what happened, what slavery done, what a hundred years of Jim Crow segregation did to black folks, and how it still affects us today. And until that's addressed, black Americans, we're going to always have these issues and problems. So very interesting. Um, you know, that's I want to address that. Rest in peace to his, to him and uh you know, my condolences to his family is very sad. But I'll tell y'all this, if you're going to have a rap career, be careful of the words you speak. Words are powerful as hell, okay? Words can set off a whole thing, okay? So when I get back, we're going to get to talking about some more of these hot topics. What else do I want to talk to y'all about? Um, oh, um. Yeah, I already said some of the things we're going to talk about. Oh, I think, I, and I, th- I do want to talk about a song he talks about, Irv, Irv Gotti, and my, uh, uh, and my whole opinion on that. We'll get into all of that and more. Meanwhile, let's see, and we're going to get some music out here. Okay, this is one of my favorite ones. I love this old school song, If You Love Me, Brownstone. It's the CC Show. I'll be back in a moment, y'all. <laughs> mm. 
absorb the shock of it all. (laughs) So that's how I would feel about it. I don't know how y'all would feel about it, but hell no. Nobody would know. I go pick that shit up. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't know for years down the line. Trust me on that, okay? <laughs> People are like, Carlotta, you can't keep a secret like that. Oh, yes, I could. <laughs> All right, so, yeah, it's so interesting that everybody talks about the lottery. And, you know, the thing about it is, is if, you have, if you've ever seen on TV these shows like The Curse of the Lottery and stuff, it's a lot of times when people get this big money, you should hear it. Like, a lot of times they go broke and all kind of shit. It just even with celebrity because having wealth is such a life-changing thing, or even the perception of having wealth, because a lot of people don't be having no money, but people be thinking they got money, right? So the perception of having wealth or the or, or having wealth is like it's a, it's, a, it's a whole world you got to get used to. Like, you know, like, who was I talking to? We, oh, we was talking about something. And they was talking about, I think I was talking about Jennifer Lopez. I even talked about it on this show when Jennifer Lopez was with Alex Rodriguez. I was saying he couldn't impress her with shit. I said, he just, she just wasn't impressed. She's like, uh, you know, you you don't get a private jet, bitch. I got a private jet. She wasn't impressed. But somebody like me, you can impress my ass with a private jet. I'd be like, shit. Like, that's what, you, what's the, the show, the Twindler, Twindler, Twindler? He was impressing bitches because they, you know, he he was looking like he had money, so you know, he was sitting there like he was he was he was like you know the first time this girl meets him he he throws out yes I'm flying to such and such such would you like to come riding with me on my plane can you imagine some shit like that the whole thing is mind blowing her coochie was already hot when she she heard prophecy <laughs> it was hot. Cause you ain't never seen. It's some shit you ain't never seen, right? You know, and and and, and, and somebody can romance you with a private jet, right? I mean, damn. So you you have to get used to the mind blowing things that you can do. How your life changes. Like suddenly you go from commercial to private jet. You can own your own shit. It's a beautiful thing, you know. And it can also be an ugly thing. So you know. These are things that you gotta, you know, you gotta consider. Wealth is—it's not only that. I'm just saying, it's just mind and how it changes not only yourself. You know, wealth just makes you more of what you are. If you was an asshole before, you're just gonna become more of an asshole. But also, just the 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 changes that you, the things that you are exposed to that you weren't before. You know, it can be very mind blowing. It can, and it can. Blow the minds of people around you. So, and that's just with anybody. That's just when you getting up, when you go up in life, when you're just in a different tax bracket. You know, any little tax, you went from one tax bracket to the next, and your friend noticed you driving a brand new car versus you was driving your old bus. You know what I'm saying? It's a different thing. It's how perceptions and things become, it's changed. You you have to get used to levels. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a, Wealth requires, I mean, true wealth, not just financially, but wealth requires wisdom, you know, a a very powerful wisdom to understand. First of all, some people say, oh, you know, I'm not going to change. Money won't change me. Shit, money going to change me. I'm going to tell you right now, $1.5 billion would change my ass. First, I won't tell you. I ain't going to lie. It changed me. 
that we ain't gonna lie out here. I am not gonna. If you don't have any evolution after you win something like that, then you're crazy. What the fuck? You won't be able to handle. It. Oh yeah, I'm changing. Get ready. I'll be changing. My ass be changing. I'll be quietly changing, but I'll be changing. It's unrealistic to think that. You know what I'm saying? So interesting. Shout out to me. You know, hopefully. Uh, hopefully I'm the winner, but for for all of you out there, you know, I know y'all all hoping y'all the winner too, okay? <laughs> all right, so we're going to get into some other news here. The DHS, I thought this was such an interesting um, article from The Intercept. It says, uh, theintercept.com, it says, the truth uh, leaked, uh, leaked documents outline DHS's plans to police disinformation, Okay. And it says the Department of Homeland Security is quietly broadening its efforts to curb speech it considers dangerous. An investigation by the Intercept has found years of internal DHS memos, emails, and documents obtained via leaks and ongoing lawsuits as well as public documents illustrate an expansive effort by the agency to influence tech platforms. The work, much of which remains unknown to the American public, came to clear came into clear view earlier this week when DHS announced a new disinformation governance board, a panel designed to police misinformation, false information spread unintentionally, uh, disinformation, uh, what is it, mal- oh, malinformation, uh, factual information shared typically out of context with harmful, content, uh, harmful intent. Now you see where this is going. This is some scary shit. You hear this? <laughs> The allegedly uh, th- that allegedly threatens U.S. interests, while the uh, the board was widely ridiculed, immediately scaled back and then shut down within a few months. Other initiatives are underway as DHS pivots to monitoring social media. Now, hey, what's up, DHS? <laughs> that that is original. That its original mandate, the war on terror, has been wound down. Behind closed doors and through pressure on private platforms, the U.S. government has used its power to try to shape online discourse. According to meeting minutes and other record, records appended to a lawsuit filed by Missouri Attorney General Eric Smith, a Republican who is also running for Senate discussion, have ranged from uh, the scale and scope of government intervention in online discourse to the mechanics of streamlining streamlining takedown requests for false, intentionally misleading information. Hmm. It says platforms have got to get comfortable with government. It's really interesting how hesitant they remain. Microsoft executive Matt Matterson, former DHS official, text John Easterly, a DHS director in February. In a March meeting, Laura Dimlow, an FBI official, warned that the threat of subversive information on social media could undermine support for the U.S. government. Ooh, listen to this. Delmo, according to notes of the discussion attended by senior executives from Twitter and J.P. Morgan, stressed that we need media infrastructure that is held accountable. Now, you see how they're trying to make what's bad, because they trying, who are you to say was disinformation and misinformation? And what if it's that one, like your secret, like Snowden, when you were spying on the American people and you wasn't supposed to be, gets out. And you say, oh, that's disinformation, but it's facts. 
government control in these type of things is never good. When you start hearing them talk about going on misinformation campaigns, disinformation campaigns, oh, watch it till. They talking about Putin and all these countries that's allegedly dictated. Y'all sound dictatorish. That's what I said about Alex Jones, because it brings me to Alex Jones and that lawsuit. <sighs> because Alex Jones has a platform where he discusses conspiracy theories, theories that some people can deem as real, not so real, or whatever. Government are like, listen, what they said in here, not just disinformation, but here's an interesting thing they said. They said, when you go back, where did they say? Uh, false information spread unintentionally. Uh, Malinformation that alleges uh, factual information shared typically out of con- context with harmful intent. Whoa. <laughs> so wait a minute. Who? Who? So basically, they're saying, "Hey, we can we can say if somebody finds out a secret, oh, that's malinformation. You're you're getting that information out of context. No, the government should be just able to defend themselves if somebody is discussing conspiracy theories. But you are it, 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 the government is not supposed to overstep its boundaries. You're not allowed to come up and create laws or create situations." That stopped people from talking about them, and that's why it's so dangerous what happened in that lawsuit. I really say it's a very dangerous thing with Alex Jones. No matter what he said, yes, it was stupid what he said, but it's dangerous because now there is this thing, and they use a, a very tragic thing because tragedy pulls on our heartstrings, especially when it involves children. But we're not thinking about the context of what it, when you're putting it outside of things like that and what it can mean for our freedom of speech, our freedom of discourse, our freedom to disagree, our freedom to question information, our freedom to have a conspiracy theory. That's very scary <laughs> when the government's starting to step in, right, you know. So it's like there is also a formalized process for government officials to directly flag content on Facebook or Instagram and request that it be throttled or suppressed through a special Facebook portal that requires a government or law enforcement email to use. At the time of writing the content request system at Facebook.com, take down, login is still alive, DHS and Meta. The parent company of Facebook did not respond to a request for comment. The FBI declined to comment, okay? Of course they did. DHS's mission to fight disinformation stemming from concerns around Russian influence in the 2016 election, which they're finding out a lot of people believe it was not true, uh, began taking shape during the 2020 election over efforts to shape discussions around vaccine policy during the coronavirus pandemic. Documents collected by the Intercept from a variety of sources, including current officials and public uh, available reports, reveal that uh, the evolution of more active measures reveal the evolution of more active measures by DHS. Now, let me just say this: they're always trying to go after foreign invaders, but what about domestic invaders who 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 seek to control elections? It's not just Russian. It's easy to make you see an enemy on the outside. But who's to say 
government is not made up. You know, I heard I, one time Bill Clinton say something. Uh, they were talking about 9-11. And a lot of people were questioning whether government officials may have had something to cast conspiracy theories about whether 9-11 was an inside job. And I think it was Bill Clinton. Forgive me if I'm wrong on the quote, but he, he was, they were saying they were questioning government, uh, government officials. He was like, how dare you question uh, a government official? How dare you say this and that, like, uh, 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 to question the, uh, the government of the U.S.? Like, we were lie. I'm like, government is made of people, and people can be good and bad. You don't think there's bad people in the United States government? Working in them agencies? Uh, What? (laughs) What? Foreign and domestic issues, and not just people who are discussing. See, they're making the enemy outsiders, but not that enemies can't be in agencies creating a, a, a government that asks, I mean, a group of uh, 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 an American people that will be able to ask less questions, be able to think less, think less. So I question what's going on in government when I see these type of things. It's not just foreign problems; it's people within the government. It's yes, it's possible that government can do inside jobs to get to get to create it's not it's not that is not a foreign concept that has not that that government can use that government I'm not saying that's what the United States government has done but that governments have used false flag attacks and different things to get laws passed and things that is fact that's on books because people are ugly people will do people will do all kind of the government's made up of people and that's why you're supposed to keep watch over it. When the American people fail to keep watch, you got all kind of shit like this coming up. You get the politics you deserve. When we stop caring and stop paying attention to our political rights, then they can get over this shit, okay? So it's very interesting. Uh, they saying the challenge is particularly acute in marginalized communities, the report states which are often the targets of false or misleading information, such as false information on voting procedures targeting people of color. But they always use black people to try to get – that's a new thing with the Democrats because what they know is that race is triggering in America. And so they use race to get a lot of shit passed that has nothing to do with our racial shit going on. You got to be clever nowadays because there's so much shit going on and black people wonder why they ain't moving forward. Because what they're doing is using black people for the front line. But it really ain't about you. But it's interesting. It says the inclusion of 2021 U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan is particularly noteworthy, given that the House Republicans, should they take the majority in midterm, have vowed to investigate. This makes Benghazi look like a much smaller issue, said Rep. Mike Johnson, a member of the Armed Committee, adding the answers will be a stop priority. 
How this disinformation is defined by the government has not been clearly articulated. An inherently subjective nature of what constitutes disinformation provides a broad opening for DHS officials to make politically motivated determinations about what constitutes dangerous speech. Hear that again. How disinformation is defined by government has not been clearly articulated and inherently subjective. And the inherently subjective nature of what constitutes disinformation provides a broad opening for DHS officials to make politically motivated determinations about what constitutes dangerous speech. DHS justifies the goals which have expanded far beyond its original purview on foreign threats to encompass disinformation are originating domestically, okay? And that's not from them, because we all know what these agencies can do. Remember the FBI pro and tell, uh, pro and tell, pro, what they was doing out here in these streets, recording Dr. King, all that stuff. See, they've been out of control for years. That's what Trump tried to tell you. They've been out of control. So, so a lot of these agencies don't want checked. And there might be a lot of criminals in these agencies. No, 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 no. Now, don't get mad at me, CIA and FBI. I'm just, I'm just stating uh, 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 my opinion. And it is facts. J. Edgar Hoover was kind of out of control. Okay, so, you know, so, I mean, it's it's very interesting. I, this is not against to look at agents, at these 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 domestic terrorists in, within, inside these agencies or inside the government. They're targeting citizens. <laughs> They're targeting people is what it sounds like. People, regular people. And not themselves. Very interesting. The track record has not prevented the U.S. government from seeking to become arbiters of what constitutes as false or dangerous information on inherently political topics. Okay, uh, so and they use a lot of Republicans in here, Republicans in here, but it can go both ways. This is a sidebar, but I watch Handmaiden's Tale the rest of the season, and it's from a liberal point of view about what would happen if people felt. Um, uh, you know, um, uh, you know what would happen if the population growth for overly religious group to control of the United States, which is Gilead and stuff like that. It's a very good show. But I will say this: this doesn't just go with conservatives. This goes with liberals too. Absolute power corrupts. I heard somebody said the other day, uh, a celebrity they had on a one day post. Uh, they trying to make us like handmaidens tell out here. And I was like, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised possibly if it went something like that. You know why? Because we go to extremes in society. We don't have balance. And when you don't have balance, restriction comes in hardcore. That's just in life. That's in life. If you were running amok or running around, you a child and you running around amok and you doing things, you should, your parents are going to sometimes, not all parents, but sometimes good parents are going to get even more strict on you. And what's happened in America is, like I said, y'all been running amok with abortion. Y'all been running amok with it. Y'all haven't been using it as sacred tools. For, for sacred things. You've been using it like a willy-nilly when you had a, a bad night and you slept with too many people. You don't want to use a plan B and all these other things. You've been using it for, like, birth control. And extremism comes in to check that. That's balance. That's what, and it gets unbalanced. 
because you don't have balance. Unbalanced checks unbalanced. Extremism checks extremism until you balance yourself out. That's spiritual. I better recognize I was laughing. I said, yeah, yeah, because it's unbalanced. Gilead, a Gilead can't happen when there's a, with, with a balanced society. A handmaiden's tale can't happen with a balanced society. When you're imbalanced, that's when things like that come in to check, not good things. Extremism comes in to check, really harsh restrictions, because you run them up. That's why it's always a sacred thing to try to keep the balance in society. When society becomes unbalanced, you get crazy shit starting to happen to come in and try to check it. Like DHS right now. See what they're trying to do? Trying to check freedom of speech. Trying to check what people's thoughts are. Oh, that's misinformation. Because what's happened is we as a society and them as a government have gotten out of control. So it's a society full of deception. So now they're trying to use extremism to check it. But this is a really interesting article in The Intercept. You guys check it out, a full article. I can't go through it all. It's theintercept.com. It's leaked documents outline DHS's plan to police disinformation. Very interesting. And something you should pay attention to, okay? Uh, Nancy Pelosi seen leaving San Francisco house days after David DePop allegedly attacked her husband. Uh, the pop allegedly threatened to tie Paul Pelosi up about ten times during the break-in. This is according to uh, FoxNews.com. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi was seen leaving her San Francisco house days after her husband was severely injured during a home break-in. Now, was that just when her husband a few a few months ago, a couple months ago, like a DUI or something going on with him? It was something crazy like that. But it says the Pop 42 is accused of violently attacking the House Speaker's husband with a hammer on October 28th, just after 2 a.m., sending Paul Pelosi to a local hospital here, here had to undergo surgery repair, a skull fracture, in addition to other injuries. Injuries. Paul Pelosi was knocked unconscious for three minutes because of the Pop's alleged attack and woke up in a pool of his own blood, according to court documents. Uh it says the pop faces several state and federal charges, including attempted murder, residential burglary, assault with a deadly weapon, and elder abuse, among other things. The pop pled not guilty to the state level charges during an arraignment hearing Monday. Uh, the pop demanded to speak to Nancy Pelosi when he allegedly broke into the house, saying, Where is Nancy? according to the officials. Court documents state that the pop intended to take the speaker, Nancy Pelosi, hostage, adding that if she lied to him, he would break her kneecaps. After the pop allegedly broke into the house, the motion to detain states that he woke up Nancy Pelosi's husband by stating, Are you Paul Pelosi with a hammer and zip ties in hand? She's not here, Paul Pelosi responded. The pop then asked again where Nancy Pelosi would return, to which Pelosi responded, She's in Washington. She's not to be back for a couple of days. So then he tied him up and stuff like that. Let me just stop this, okay? Because, listen, sad what happened to Nancy Pelosi and her husband, and nobody should violence, nobody should uh, do violence. But unfortunately, with politics and being a politician, comes the threat of violence, okay? I mean, throughout history in American politics, 
And most of the time when people are attacked, if it's not for political gain, and that's on both sides because I can see the Democrats out here trying to use this attack for their midterms, like the Trump people is out of control. He probably was crazy, though. Most of these, even with Reagan, and the, that, that young man was mentally off, right, uh, when Reagan got shot or, or uh, uh Kennedy's questionable. We don't know what happened there, but but you know all these most violent attacks. A lot of times the people are are either uh, mentally unstable, uh, and there are political motivated attacks on both sides. Now, what I tell you is, I see a time of great restriction coming for politicians. And the reason why I say this is that a lot of these laws and stuff are going to be used because when they really go down, when shit really go down, they know that American people, see, American people, January the 6th, I say that's what a government does. I mean, that's what the people does when they feel a government has turned against them. And I'm not promoting, because um, I know people love to say that, you're promoting violence against government officials. No, I'm not. I'm saying that in America, throughout American history, when Americans have felt that government was overreaching, they've responded in crazy in lots of different ways, right? And sometimes those those responses are revolts, just like with racism, what happened with the riots. That was society responding to race. When the women, when the women's movement, when that, when that, when they, what's the, what's the boy, the man's name was getting ready to get on the Supreme Court, and then women almost knocked down the door to the Supreme Court. See, liberals don't like to report on that. They only like to report on conservatives acting a fool. But I was watching on TV when they was getting ready to knock down the doors to, um, to uh, uh, the Supreme Court to make sure Brett Kavanaugh didn't get on there. Also, when you see situations like uh, when they came to the that night to uh, during the riots, uh, was it 2019 or whatever, 2020, when all the riots was going on, racial riots, and they they went to the outside of the White House, they was trying to break down the gates. Several uh, Secret Service people got hurt and everything, because that's how the people respond when government is fucking up. People will get hostile. And America's built, America's kind of built on rebellion, you know? What? What y'all, what y'all don't, don't get mad at me. I didn't build it. I'm just telling you. And what I'm saying is it's not a surprising reaction. It's not just Republicans that was crying. We had, it was shocking to see white males doing that because, but that means the way of life in America is going down. Especially when you see white males doing it. But all groups respond somewhat crazy to government sometimes taking advantage or what they perceive has government taking advantage. That's why I didn't like the response to January the 6th. I didn't like the response to uh, even to the riots because people have the right to protest, even though it's nonviolent. And, you know, the Constitution says a lot of interesting things about government. And when government gets out of hand. So the people have a right to kind of vote at y'all ass. 
You know, not they don't gotta kill you and hurt you and nothing like that. But you put as a politician, you should always be humble and understand. And I'm not trying to say Nancy's husband deserved that or anything. That's not what I'm saying. Please don't get that. But I'm saying, as a politician, always remain humble. The people should humble you. It should be a fearful thing to be a politician. You should be like. We do not want the people to rehope. But what you got with a lot of these politicians today that Senate and Congress up there, they are arrogant. They they start building more walls and protecting themselves and doing more things and start putting harsher uh, things on the people. When you should be humbled and being like, whoa, we do not want the people. You stop disinformation and... Uh, and uh, Mali information and stuff like that When you as a politician are making yourself clear When you are showing yourself for the people But when people no longer believe you You create a society that becomes angry, frustrated, violent That's all across the world Except for in America You have a society that does not That's about we the people and doesn't really protect politicians too much. It puts politicians in a very humble place to be like, like I said, after January 6th, they should have been coming out saying, what made the people do that? How, why did they think we? Why did they think we threw an election? Is this how bad the people think of government? But instead, they didn't do that. They built greater walls, started talking about people, started making greater divisions instead of saying, how do we heal these divisions? What do we do to make the people trust us again? Because when you have a society where the people don't trust the politicians, you asking for some real shit to go down. It's imbalanced. That's why they build the fucking walls. They know that. They like it. They're gaining more control. And so that's unfortunate because we got politicians and America, you get the kind of politics you deserve because you're not paying attention to these people and what they are. Politics, public service, is a very humbling thing when it's done in the right way. But today you got a lot of politicians who have become in, in, um, What's the great the word engorged on on themselves <laughs> on all kind of things on uh, 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 money from corporations all kinds of things it's a mess so I'm not surprised that you see people from the riots to them running up to the White House when Trump was in there to January the sixth when them running trying to climb that Capitol when they think Trump lost that election to um the Supreme Court, when they threw, they, them, them women didn't like Brett Kavanaugh, they was trying to bust down the door. Please don't act like January 6th is an incident, is an isolated incident. When y'all had all kind, the, the, the liberal press don't like to report on that. It was all kind of shit going on. The riots, they was about to bust up in there. They had to put Trump in the, remember they had to take Trump down to that, uh, that, uh, what's some things, them caves underneath or something they were saying? Because they were scared people were going to break through the White House. Remember they was, the Secret Service got beat down a little bit? Because he was out there acting a fool because they had had enough racial injustice. That's what happens when societies are out of control. And the Democrats can shape it any kind of way they want because they're the new party of corporations. 
see, you know, it's a lot of political theory coming going on out here. They done switch from Republicans to Democrats. You know, they switch places to confuse the people. But it is still the same. It's people feeling that they're not in control of their lives and that government is becoming more and more intrusive or not paying enough attention in some sort of way. And I'm sure we'll have, unfortunately, more incidents because we just don't want to get balanced. But it is what it is. Okay. All right. So in other news, what do I want to talk to you about? Uh, where am I? At? We can take work yet? Okay. Not yet. Close to. All right. So um, you talk about North Korea? Yes, North Korea out here. They showing out. Where are they? What are they doing? Um, North Korea keeps up its missile barrage with launch of ICBM. This is according to abcnews.com. It's saying North Korea has added to its barrage of recent weapons tests, firing at least three missiles, including an intercontinental ballistic missile that forced the Japanese government to issue evacuation alerts and temporarily halt trains. Um it says alarms blare from cell phones, radios, and public speakers, and fishermen hurried back to shore in northern Japan on Thursday after North Korea fired an intercontinental ballistic missile above its eastern waters, adding to a recent barrage of provocative weapons uh, demonstrations that officials say may cu- uh, culminate with a nuclear test in coming weeks. Now, let me shout out. Let me stop right here because I got a shout out to I listened to this astrologist called the Peace Dealer. He's dope. He's been dope for a long time. He's a Gemini. And he predicted a lot of this stuff this week. He even predicted a celebrity would get murdered that wouldn't be exactly A-list, but he would be, that that person would be. He also predicted about nuclear tests. He, like, has four, like, four of his predictions out of his five predictions uh, turned out right this week, which is crazy. When I saw him, I was like, what? And it's uh, his, it's at the Peace Dealer, so if you guys are wanting to know on Instagram, he's really interesting. I really like his lives and stuff. But it says the ICBM test, which was followed by two short-range ballistic launches into the sea, was swiftly condemned by neighbors in the United States, which said it is willing to take all necessary measures to ensure the safety of the American homeland and allies to uh, South Korea and Japan. The Biden administration also warned of unspecified additional costs and consequences if the North goes to detonate a nuclear test device for the first time since September 2017. The launches are the latest in a series of North Korea weapons tests in recent months that have raised tensions in the region. They came a day after, uh, I never can say that name, Pyongyang, I don't know if I said that right, fired more than 20 missiles, the most is fired in a single day ever. South Korea's Joint Chiefs with staff said it detected uh, the North firing ICBM from an area near its capital uh, around 7.40 a.m. and then firing two short-range missiles an hour later from the nearby city of Kaishan, which flew towards its eastern waters. Crazy. If they wilding out over there, it is the end times for real. That's what I say. It's the end time. It's crazy out in these streets, okay? Wow. North Korea be out here acting a fool. You know, it's kind of getting scary with them. It's kind of 
times are getting scary. Just interesting. Okay, so we'll keep our eye on that story. All right, so when I come back, what else, uh, what other stories do I got? Can we talk about Nancy Pelosi? Okay, what's the other couple other stories? We got to talk about Dems worried about the black vote, Elon Musk about charging on Twitter. Uh, we'll try to talk about Kanye, Ashanti, and Irv Gotti, uh, the Rihanna and Black Panther movie. Uh, Megan Markle talking about she 43% Nigerian child. We got so much. <laughs> we got so much stuff to talk about. Okay, y'all. But uh, what else? There's something else I need to talk about. There's a couple other things. We'll get two of y'all. It's the CC Show. I'm Carlotta. It's late night hot topics. I'm up late doing the hot topics for y'all. I will be back in a moment. Meanwhile, let's listen to uh, my friend's, you know, request. Why am I playing off all the time? <laughs> I must really kind of like off, huh? I play off a lot, right? Let's play Maxwell off. It's the CC show. I'll be back after this. Your skin is so damp. 
Y'all, we are back on the Carlotta Chatwood Show. And I'm Carlotta, and you know what? I'm hanging out late night with y'all, trying to get y'all a show in, because Lord knows, you know, I've been doing it up, okay? All right, so you guys, uh, let's get into some more news. Uh, Democrats out here worrying about the black voter turnout? <laughs> oh, my God, it says, according to uh, MSN.com, it's saying that um, – of Philadelphia, it says, on chilly afternoon last week, Pastor Melanie DeBoose stood on a small stage in a city park trying to fire up her neighbors, neighbors, of them black, and encourage them to vote. Signs posted near Barrow, vote. It's an act of hope. And every vote is sacred. Faith, three years working alongside her, handed out free chips and water. Uh, we are here today to answer questions. Voting, why bother? They both said in the megaphone. And our answers will lead you to the reality that your life and your freedom depends on it. Okay, but what if you decide not to vote on what you want us to vote on, though? Tony Williams, a middle-aged black man, stood a few feet. What they really mean is they don't really mean just go vote. There's a, that's really not what they mean. Even the political, the celebrity, political uh, people that are out here, they don't mean just go vote for anybody. Oh, you got to vote because your life depends on it. They mean vote for Democrats because your life depends on it. Vote for Democrats. Democrats ain't did shit for black people. Not too much. Okay? So, uh, we, you know, uh, our life really doesn't depend on voting for them. I mean, what's the motive behind the these people when they tell us to vote, when they say vote because your life depends on it? Does, will, you believe, will, you, will you say the same thing we vote for Green Party or we vote for the Republican Party or we vote for uh, Juju Bear? <laughs> Then you'll tell us, well, you're wasting your vote. <laughs> yeah, what, you see how that goes? This is black voters from the backbone of the Democratic electorate. Voting for Democrats at higher rates than any other racial group. But interviews with more than a dozen elected officials, strategic strategists, and activists in King swing states. Most of the blacks suggest Democrats are increasingly concerned that the black turnout could sag this November. And with it, Democrats' electoral chances. And what do I say? Cheers to us. <laughs> if black turnout were to fail this year, fall this year, it would seriously complicate, if not evas- evascerate 
Democrats passed the, the victory in hotly contested gubernatorial and Senate races across the country, including Georgia, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Michigan, and Wisconsin. In a poll, Political Morning Consult released last week, just 25% of black registered voters described themselves as extremely enthusiastic about voting in this election, compared to 30% of white voters and 35% of Hispanic voters. Oh, but Brown is not going to show up for you guys? Because that's who you've been trying to replace black people with for the last 20 years. It's not working. Zim, it's not. But you want us to come out here and run and vote for you. For what? And this is where I'm with Tyreek Nasheed. No tangibles, no votes. Yeah, both of you. Vote down ballots. We can do. We can vote. We can vote for Snoopy. We can do a lot of things. Got vote for you though. Though they are stressed, they have no doubt black voters will continue to overwhelmingly support their party. Oh, look at them. They think that we'll support them no matter what. That's what they think. No matter what you do, where you, you know what they saying? Where you Negroes gonna go? That's what they saying to them. Where you trying to go? You don't got to go to y'all. You don't owe y'all nothing. I'm glad they worried. Oh, I'm so glad they worried. Oh, but this hasn't been about the black vote for a long time. It's been about everybody but the black vote. Oh, be worried. <laughs> After black voters played a pivotal role in electing President Joe Biden two years ago, the strategic Chad just said that some black voters believe that, that not enough has changed since, especially when it comes to the economy, gun violence, voting rights, and criminal justice reform. 59% of black voters approve of Biden's side performance. I don't know where they're getting that poll from. <laughs> According to Politico.Morning uh, Consult survey, which they characterize as insufficient to guarantee a strong vote for Democratic candidates. As I said, I don't know where they got that from. The poll says we should be concerned about black China, said Bishop Dwayne Washington executive director of Power Interface, the Pennsylvania-based progressive group to organize the voter registration drive in Philadelphia. That's a level of frustration that folks are experiencing right now, right? Let's just be honest. For a lot of folks, they're seeing incidents of gun violence that's permeated their community. People are struggling with economic conditions. At the same time, for many Democrats, fearing a drop in black turnout is a cyclical tradition that often doesn't come to pass. Um, you know, but this time there have been grassroots movements working really hard to show to have to help create black people to have a different political sphere, to put pressure on Democrats to do something. Democrats haven't done anything. They've been getting our vote for free. See, Travis was right. Travis Malley was fucking right. They was uh, we was mad. People were getting mad at Travis during Obama. But we let Obama get away with all kinds of shit. Obama didn't do a damn thing. We let Obama get, and we we put, y'all put Biden up in there, which I still don't understand. I'm still confused about that. I still think Biden, you know, I, I'm funny about that election. <sighs> anyway, I'm just, it's just, it's crazy to me. I do see, though, in the community more and more people saying, no, nah, I ain't got necessarily vote Democrats. And especially black men. So yeah, very interesting. We'll see how the voter turnout uh, works. Okay, um, Shante Moore, congratulations to Shante Moore and Stephen uh, G Hill. Uh, they got married. 
she has singer Shate Moore as a new husband at home. It's former BT, it's according to AtlantaBlackStar.com. It says a couple who shunned fans last year after announcing their engagement, who stunned fans, sorry, after announcing their engagement, have known each other for three decades following a chance encounter. Moore and Hill officially became man and wife on October 22nd in a beachside wedding in Cabo, Mexico. The guest list included 106 and Parks, A.J. Calloway, Marie Free Wright, Roxy Diaz, Julissa Bermudez, Keisha Chante, BT former executive officer Deborah Lee, DJ D Nice, and many others. The same day, Moore asked her Instagram account to confirm the news by sharing images of their special day. She wrote, wrote "Welcome to my always" at Stephen Grant Hill. Uh, Hill. Yeah, he had on a, like a very concert, like he had on like a pink shirt and some pants or something. She had this beautiful wedding gown, and everybody was like, "Uh, what the hell?" It was like he just showed up, like he just woke up and said, "I'm put on tour proposal to I'm come go get married," and she was all dressed up and shit. I'm gonna be like, I ain't gonna lie, I'd be pissed off. <laughs> I'm in my pretty wedding gown, and he just showed up like I'm here, like he just got off the bus or something. <laughs> It says more world where an uh, elegant white dress while spotted in a pink polo shirt. While um, while he sported a pink polo shirt, khakis with sneakers. Interesting. <laughs> and people were saying on Twitter, I know she didn't have that have that nice a dress on, and he wore that to the wedding. I just know he changed his clothes. Well, hopefully he did. Interesting. It's just an interesting thing, Shantae. I'm still, it's just still fascinating that her and Stephen Hill married. It's just a fact. Anyway, congratulations, y'all. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So, uh, it's a, a, um, other news. Uh, Ashanti this week. Ashanti Blast Irv Gotti, the North dating narcissistic. Um, I'm glad to see Ashanti took my voice, advice and sit down with, uh, uh, what's her name? Angie Martinez, exactly took credit for making her fuckable. Okay, Ashanti is finally speaking. This is according to Boston.com. It says finally speaking her truth after uh, a Panani Press chatty patty made constant comments about her. Um, let's see. Um, the single 42 appeared on Angie Martinez IRL podcast and broke the silence after we could be dropped in, dragged in the media by foolishly forlorn Irv Gotti 52 has previously reported that uh reported the murder incident that went viral after he allegedly after he alleged that he not only had a sexual relationship with her but was heartbroken to see that she was dating Nelly despite him being married. He also alleged that a sexual encounter between them spurred her track happy and spoke about her Further BP murder ink documentary. Now Shanti's sharing her side of what allegedly happened and responded to Earth's uh, chatter, corny chatter in events from 20 years ago. Okay, is that, do you have enough of what? How much of it do you have? I don't know. Okay, it's a little bit of it. Okay. Huh, we're going to try to see here a little bit of it. Never publicly talked about it. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you want to clear up about his version of the story? It wasn't surprising to me. Irvin flat out lied about a lot of things. I'm very proud and content with what I've 
being like a hustler. I want to be a go-getter. I can't wait to get Okay. Uh, you know, I haven't sit down and watch a lot. I've only seen parts of the interview, and that was a little preview of it. Uh, let me just say this. Ashanti is a beautiful girl. She's very beautiful, gorgeous body for days, okay? Ashanti, I don't believe that you didn't have. The way you answered questions, uh, it wasn't right to me how Irv handled the situation. But at the same time, he's telling his history with Murder, Inc. He is uh, saying what uh, uh, he perceives happened. I am saying what I perceived happened because I was hearing these rumors years ago. I remember thinking it, years ago it was Ja Rule and people correcting these situations. They know it was it was it was Earth. So I, listen, you might have how she says is he lies. Like she answers the questions in ways that sound like to me. That's from what I've seen on preview. I have to watch the whole video, but from what I'm seeing on the preview, she answers the questions in ways that seem like, well, he lied about a lot of things, or I wasn't dating him. Well, you didn't have to be dating him to fuck him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> or you, you could just be fucking him not date. That might not have went on no date. Or I don't, you know what I'm saying? Listen, I don't believe it. I don't believe her. I think she's got great press on, on her side right now. Irv looks like the corny old man, and she's got people spinning for her very well. But Ashanti, I really believe you had a relationship with everybody. I mean, you, I mean, or some sort of relationship happened. And I think it may be hard to admit that because he was also married, okay? But I always feel like this. If your truth is exposed, I mean, you know, try, you know, I always say people should own some of their story and keep their story private. I get it. But if some of your truth is exposed, own that shit. I would win and they say, Yeah, I was young. We you know, I would consider it a relationship. We had some good times You know, I don't know what she said on the interview, but for most of the things I've seen she's been trying to deny it. Answering it in a strange way that it's like a denial but not a denial. <laughs> so I'm not saying she did have an affair with her, but I'm saying I'm thinking she might have, you know. And the best way to just do it is just admit the shit. Damn. What the fuck? Still running around here, you 42 fucking years old. Life happens. People do, I did a lot of shit when I was young, going, damn. <sighs> Why'd I do that? It, it, it's okay. Growth happens. It's okay to admit that shit. And maybe he is lying, but here's the thing. A lot, it wasn't just him on there saying that. It sent on the documentary, it seemed like all the people around him agreed to y'all had a relationship. So people must have been perceiving something was going on. And so to just I know the press is on your side today, but I remember a few years ago when they was dogging a shot. See, like, you know, they one day they like you and the next day they don't. One day they love you, next day, that's the thing about public. Public is so thick. Right now it's good for us. But for several years, you know, people been on her ass. So they probably, yeah, she can't sing. They be saying all kind of shit. She just now... I understand. She's just now built up some good grace in the public, and people are liking her again. She's been promoting her shit everywhere. She been, I mean, I was so sick of seeing her ass. I was like, damn, she's a chompy again at the essence, man. <laughs> I mean, so listen, I get it. 
But the best way is to use your story to help other young women, if that is something that happened with you. You know, some people, listen, Diana Ross had an affair with Barry Gordy. That shit helped her. She helped her become the Supreme. It helped her become the lead singer of the Supremes. She was giving Barry some good cool Kit Kat pops. Mary said, damn, Florence and all y'all other people, I'm putting Diana up here. <laughs> and it took Diana years to come up to say that shit. But it's it's facts, okay? And it probably helps her career. Assurance. If you was fucking with her, her, it probably helps her career. Mariah Carey fucking around with Tommy Mottola, married Tommy Mottola. You think that shit didn't help Mariah Carey? You crazy as hell. It helped to be married to Tommy Mottola. I'm not saying you you lying. I'm just saying I don't believe the story. Because the way you answer and question is unbelievable to me. And I'm saying that you was in great company if you were screwing Irv and you end up being murdering chick. That don't mean you're not talented. Mariah Carey is damn talented. See, her ass off one of my favorite singers. I don't mean, listen, Mariah Carey, can, Tommy Matola just took her shit up. You know what I'm saying? Messing with Tommy didn't hurt. Diana Ross, damn talented. Messing with Barry didn't hurt. You ain't great company, Ashanti. Ain't no sense in lying about that shit. Messing with her, if you did, didn't hurt. Which I believe you did, didn't hurt. Talking about he made you fucking, yeah, a little bit. Okay, you beautiful, but I'm sure he shaped imaging with other people in the record company. And everything to shape your image, and your image has even gotten even better over the last few years. So yeah, I mean, shit, ain't nothing wrong with that. You're a great cunt. Don't feel bad about that. <sighs> Shanti out here. Is she in denial, y'all? Is she in denial? I don't know. Twitter starts to charge $20 a month for verification. You know, I, let me just say this. I just can't see her just lying. He don't seem like the type of cat. He just don't. Uh, you know, he seems like a bragger. Like, you should be careful. You know, because I don't like me and he brag about sexual content. But I don't see him as doing that in that documentary. I see him as being angry at her and a little upset for how it went down. I don't understand his anger because he had a full marriage. But, I mean, you know, I get it. I get the affair when you're in love with somebody and stuff like that. Another relationship comes up. But being angry at her because you didn't jump the gun yet, you didn't make your intentions clear to her if it was true. I thought that was stupid or something like that. But I, I see him as telling the story as not being a chatty Cassie. I didn't see him as being that. But I saw him as telling his story and the story of Murder, Inc. and how these all these things came to be. And if that affair happened, then that is a part of the Murder, Inc. story. Just like the part of the Motown story is Diana Ross and fucking Barry Gordy. Diana Ross and Smokey Rock. No, no, I'll let 
Okay, what she did? Smoke the vibe when they say first. She's like, song like, Nisha, y'all know what I'm saying. Motown, they need to make. You know what? I always talk about dream girls. Cyborg. I always talk about dream girls, and, you know, they said how they was hot when they made dream girls because they was like, you know, they telling the Supreme story. And they probably fuck with But stories at Motown? Oh, my God. If they ever made a movie about the real Motown? It's so much. Oh, it's so much good ass dirt up in my from Barry Gordy to Donald to Smoke. Lord have mercy. Barry was allegedly married. It's so much dirt. Tammy Terrell. What's the dude's name? Which one was the temptation dude? Paul, uh, David Russ? No, it was David Russ. Yeah. Tammy Terrell getting them answers. Wait a minute, who else? Well, there was so much dirt that went on over there in Motown. Y'all see a little bit of it with the temptation story, because it's one of the best stories ever done by biography. Some of the Jackson, the Jackson shit. Man, Barry Gordy need to get a right for the real Motown. The real Motown will run that Dream Girl shit in the Marvin Gaye and Barry's Marvin Mendelsohn. It's some dirt up there at Motown. That old Motown. Ooh, that's a good. Mm, that's a good. They was doing some shit back in the, <laughs> back in them days. Okay, listen. So I just see that has part of has it like he's the Barry Gordy of Mary Murder Inc. He's not Barry Gordy. I'm not comparing him to Barry Gordy, the great Barry Gordy. But I'm just saying he's that to Murder Inc. And I'm just seeing him as if he's telling his story. I didn't see it as being chatty cat. I really didn't. I hate to say that. I didn't like some of the way he said it because I feel like there's a little bit of anger there for her not sticking around. And who could fucking blame her? She's a fan because that's your ass. She didn't want no shit to rub off on her. <laughs> but shit, the fans in town, you got to run. Shit, damn that. I ain't mad at Shanti for that. <laughs> she says, Shanti said she got a portrait. She gonna support y'all from far away, <laughs> but you know, hey, I I didn't see that as bad. I, I see the situation. I get it. Okay, but it says Twitter to start charging twenty dollars a month for verification under new owner Elon Musk. Okay, uh, this is according to NewYorkPost.com. It says Twitter plans to start charging nearly twenty dollars a month um, for users to keep their blue check marks as part of a premium service that will be rolled out under Elon Musk's leadership, according to a report. <laughs> I like him. I don't like him, but I do like him. I don't know if not to like him, but he be doing some wild shit. <laughs> uh, I see what you do with Eli, and they should be able to. You know what? They should be able to support they celebrities. Most of them are so kind. Celebrities and stuff. We see how many y'all keep the blue checks. Uh, the whole verification process is being revamped right now, Musk, who took over the CEO of the social media platform Friday, Tuesday, Sunday. The hefty price bump is reportedly one of the revamps, the Verge reported. The company plans to raise the optional 
four ninety nine a month premium subscription called Twitter Blue to nineteen ninety nine a month. However, that price is subject to change. The outlet reported citing influence internal core correspondence and people familiar with the matter. Twitter will add more faster features including verification to bring the subscription up to par with cost uh, with with the cost hike. The billionaire plans to make verified users fork over the cash to keep their status. <laughs> Existing verified users have ninety days to subscribe to the new Twitter blue after its launch or they'll lose their check marks according to Verge. The current Twitter blue launched about a year ago and offers subscribers a way to view ad articles from some publishers as well as additional customization. Musk has been outspoken about his desire to grow subscription numbers to account for uh, for half of Twitter's revenue as well as his, his as well as his eagerness to overhaul the platform's verification process in the months ahead. Uh, you know, here's the thing. I think it's too soon to do that. I would have probably, I mean, I may have implemented a year or two down the line because right now Musk has the the powers that be in elite are against him having Twitter, and they will influence these celebrities and stuff to move off of that platform. The one thing I personally feel holds Twitter together is the ability to be able to, uh, for, uh, people to reach to reach celebrity or people who are famous or things like that. That's part of Twitter's vibe. Uh, so I, you know, and if the celebrities in mass move off of there, especially at this time where people are trying to politically use Elon Musk political, because people think freedom of speech because you want Trump to have freedom of speech or something like that. They think you're being political. So they think, you know, a lot of Democrats don't want that. So you got a lot of them will use this as a political way because they don't like Elon Musk for wanting freedom of speech for everyone, including Trump, allegedly, even though, you know, I don't know much about Elon. Elon got his own set of things, probably. But it's it's so politically motivated right now that I would take my time in implementing something like that for at least another year or two because I could see some mass exodus happening. So. I doubt it because nobody wants to give up 1.1 million followers on Twitter if you have them or 2.2 million if they're real. A lot of these celebrities don't want to give up that. So I think a lot of them will end up probably doing the $20 blue check because it takes so long to build up those uh, real for numbers that are real. But I also like the fact that he is also going through verification and checking out what is real and what isn't on the platform. So that's very interesting. Okay. We'll see what happens from there with that situation. Uh, Rihanna. Rihanna's back with new music for Black Panther soundtrack. I don't like it. The song itself is a beautiful song. I don't know if I like Rihanna singing it. Maybe it has to grow on me. You know what I'm saying? One of my fathers said they should have got Beyonce. I said, no, they shouldn't. <laughs> you know who I would have loved to sing? See something like that. Um, that song, particular song. Maybe somebody... Uh, like that, what's that girl's name who sings all that glitter and all that gold in London? 
her voice is such a beautiful, haunting, haunting voice. I forget she won X Factor and she sang all of it. I forget her name, Evelyn or something. But she has this beautiful voice that's so haunting. I would have preferred somebody like her to do it or a Korean Bailey Ray. Rihanna really sounds like she's struggling to sing that song to me. It, it, even though it's such a beautiful song and it went number one on Billboard because it really went number one because of, they hyped it because it's Rihanna, you know, shit like that happens. But I would have preferred a different singer. Uh, and some people say the person who wrote it is wrote, wrote it. I've never heard the girl who wrote it sing before, but some people say she could have even sounded better on it. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's for the new Black Panther tra- soundtrack. Mm-hmm. You know, and people were saying, you know, Black Panther. You know, Black Panther was so offensive to me as a Black American when I saw the first one. A lot of Black people didn't notice because they was going there with your y'all Wakanda outfits. I mean, Wakanda is really offensive to Black Americans. I felt like Killmonger watching it. As a matter of fact, I actually like Killmonger. <laughs> I kind of like Killmonger because I felt like, you know, I felt like they were, you know, Wakanda, how dare you? You having all these resources to help people. You Look, even in Wakanda, they were, they were against integration. I mean, not integration, immigration. They they had their borders closed the fuck up. They was trying to keep everybody out of there with that titanium. T'Challa wasn't letting y'all mofos up in there. <laughs> he started to keep all that shit closed in the first back then. Locked it down. They they was trying to keep all that uranium. Was it titanium or uranium chick? What are they doing in, uh, in Marvel? Yes. Okay. What well, kind of very Killmonger was Killmonger was writing some of the shit he said to him. So Wakanda to me wasn't very impressive. And there was a lot of offensive shit to me, you know, to black America. I don't know how I feel. I don't know if I'm really interested in seeing Black Panther. I might see it. I don't know. I might see it because I'm curious to see what the fuck they done, how they going to write how they gonna write Chadwick Boseman out. And I hear the girls taking over, but listen, I'm going to tell the truth. Y'all should have went. I'm, what's his name? Tobias, that actor. I can't remember his name. I think it's Tobias or something like that. Y'all should have went and got him as the next black man. Tobias. Tobias, he's been on a number of different shows. He was on um, the first season of the, sh- the show with Jill Scott and uh, all them women on uh, where Jill Scott plays a singer or something on BET. I forget the name. Nine to Five or... No, uh, ladies, uh, late divorce, ladies, uh, a divorce something. It's something about divorce. I forget what it is, the name of it. It's a, a takeoff of a of an old movie, but I forget um, the name of it. But he was in the first season of that, and he looks so much like Chadwick Boseman, and he has that same kind of, and it's not trying to replace Chadwick Boseman, but it's just trying to give somebody else in that same energy and stuff to bring like a same kind of a little not the same, but he has a he has a little bit of that look. He could easily have been a brother 
uh, uh, some of that same energy. It'll be interesting to see him in that, okay, to see him take over as Black Panther. But um, I don't know. I'm not I'm not too interested in it. You know, Black Panther, eh, good luck with it. I I could care less. I'm, I'm going to be honest with y'all. Sorry. Don't be mad at me. Um, New York is going to pay $26 million to men wrongly convicted of killing Malcolm X. Uh, and this is according to the New York Times.com. It says New York has agreed to pay $26 million to sell a lawsuit filed on behalf of two men whose convictions in 1965 uh, assassination of Malcolm X were thrown out last year after a judge found serious miscarriages of justice, according to the city and federal courts. The two men, Muhammad A. Asis and Khalil Islam, each spent more than 20 years in prison after their hefty or hasty arrest in a trial that uh, relied on questionable evidence in one of the most notorious murders of the civil rights area. Era. And they have a great documentary that was uh, they had out about this years ago. And, it's, you know, people actually knew who they suspected to be the actual killer of Malcolm X. But he was out free. Like these two guys who was who had proof they were at home and all kind of some other places during the Malcolm X got convicted and spent all this time in jail, so they deserve every penny because they didn't investigate that case good. Okay, but it says Mr. Islam was posthumous, uh came as allegations of racism and discrimination in the criminal justice system were again prompting national protests and political debate. Uh, the throwing out of the conditions come after a 22-month investigation by the Manhattan District Attorney's Office being led by Cyrus R. Vance, Jr. And the men's lawsuit was found that the prosecutors, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, uh, and the New York Police Department had withheld key evidence that probably would have led to the acquittal had it been presented to a jury. Now, do you hear who I said? These were all people of authority. That's why they DHS, the story, the story I was saying about DHS, they need to check themselves first before you start checking citizens and the regular people, citizens. But it says, this is what they said, the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the New York Police Department had withheld key evidence that probably would have led to acquittals had it been presented to a jury. Now, look at them withholding law enforcement, top law enforcement, withholding that information. Crazy. Crazy. And why? That's the question. Okay. Really uh, good for them, though, that they're getting $26 million. They deserve it. Um, okay. I'm going to address this stuff with Kanye. And here's what I'm going to say. I am for freedom of speech, even when it's, you know, I'm not against, I'm against the people talking violence and kill all the white people, kill all the Jews, kill all the black people, kill all, I'm, I'm against that kind of stuff. But I am for people speaking their minds, even making mistakes in words they say, because this is how we begin learn to uh, learn from each other and learn from what we don't like to hear and what we don't like to see and all kinds of things. Uh, I really believe that that is how we create education where people uh, start to respect each other and we don't create groups of people hiding who hold deep racism, okay? So I, I didn't agree with all the things Kanye said. I thought someone was crazy or whatever. But also Kanye said some 
things that were smart. I saw him talking to a a Jewish guy about uh, the particular uh, situation going on with him and saying about Jewish executives and stuff like this. And the guy was saying, well, it's not right to say that because, you know, uh, you'll put kind of like a target on Jewish people. But listen, here's the deal. If it was all black executives and somebody said that, that, that's an interesting fact. It's something that you should say. Here's what I'll say about this and for my Jewish brothers and sisters to consider for themselves. Uh, they've created a very powerful base when it comes to um, uh, the narrative surrounding anti-Semitism, but they've also created a very powerful hiding place. And please, don't take offense for this, because on one hand, being white, you can use white supremacy tactics. But when somebody points it out, you can run and say, I'm oppressed too. And it's anti-Semitic to say, I'm oppressing another person. It is a conversation that must be had with black people, black America, because black America has traditionally had a strange history or kind of been a strange battlefellow with Jewish people too. So it, because on one hand where Jewish people have helped them has an oppressed people like with the NWCP and other things, on the other hand, there has been oppression sometimes by those in the Jewish community who have hid behind white supremacy. That's not anti-Semitic. Uh, I think that the way you educate people is to let people have open dialogue and open discussion about what they believe, not banning people but letting them have these discussions and so the, you people could know what 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 you deem is bad. And if people come together and they still don't agree, like if I come together with some white supremacists and we have a discussion, they say, I think you a nigga, nigga bitch, and that's all I think. And at the end of the thing, I'm trying to show them I'm not, and they trying to show me they ain't no a cracker or whatever, and then at the end, if you, I come out thinking you're still a cracker and you come out thinking I'm still a nigga bit, it is what it is. Just as long as we don't offend each other by violence or anything else. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I'm for people having their thoughts. When people hide, they become more dangerous. So I feel like you need people, I mean, I feel like this, we, you know, this society has become very politically correct, and it's hid a lot of ugliness. And I, hopefully there gets to a sit-down between Jewish and black people because we see, see various things in the community with each other, and this is a new. These feelings that black Americans have had about the Jewish community and the Jewish community and knows that too. So we need to, people need to have a discussion about what is the actual uh, assessment versus anti-Semitism. And do, is, is, is there a problem with playing two faces as a community, as Jewish people? Because you are white, you know, you, we black people ain't got no whiteness to have behind. So, you know... I mean, if those are those conversations are had up front, then people can get an understanding of each other 
and not just where we're trying to block people out and we're not really getting any understanding of why people feel a certain way and you're not really dealing with the hate. You're just letting it hide and simmer. And that's a dangerous thing to let anger and hate hide and simmer our misinformation about each other without addressing it. You know what I'm saying? Not by uh, banning people and saying he can't even keep what glassy he and he go to the goodwill. People goodwill were saying they want to take Kanye stuff. I was like, this is some wild shit right here happening again. And now this week is Kyrie Irving. It's just an interesting um, thing, a discussion I feel like in the future that probably needs to be had, okay? Very interesting. Uh, and I'll probably discuss that more in the upcoming weeks about how I feel about that, okay? Um, Megan Markle this week. <laughs> Megan Markle was hilarious to me. <laughs> I told y'all what she was going to do, right? I mean, I told y'all Essence Fest is next. Y'all don't believe me. I'm telling y'all her and her and her and what's going to be at Essence Fest one of you. I, I said what I said. <laughs> uh, let's get to Where is it out here? Do I have it up? Okay, let's see. Uh, Megan, I think I have it. Let's see. This is what Megan Marshall says. Trying to find a little article, y'all. I think I passed it. Okay, yes. Megan Marshall wants y'all to know that she's 43% Nigerian. Okay. And this chapter came good for a few, you know, y'all know what I, I call it a snow job. <laughs> I mean, because back when she was on food, she wasn't talking about blackness or nothing. And then she went over there to London, tried to marry that prince, and they let her know where she was. And suddenly now, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm Gigi Bear. I'm half chocolate. I'm half uh, coconut. <laughs> Oh, Megan, Megan, Megan. Uh, let's see here. It's uh, suddenly talking about angry black women. I mean, it's just interesting. I mean, Megan Markle's turned the page, man. Uh, let's see. Uh, I thought I had it up. Okay, yeah. Okay, so this is according to the premium uh, times, uh, times and G, uh, uh, dot com. Let's see where it is. Where Megan says uh, she is forty three percent Nigerian. Now she can't even uh, say <laughs> we've never even talked about black people just being a a, a, a ADOS or a, a FBA. But she's quick on here to say she got forty three percent. She didn't did she didn't did a little ancestry dot com probably. They're <laughs> kicking in that she's a forty three percent. Nigerian. I'm trying to wait for this article. My article's acting up here, y'all. I wanted to come up. Okay. Okay, this is recording. We're going to use this from theblast.com. 
It says, um, Megan Mark claims she's 43% Nigerian during podcast discussion on angry black women stereotypes. This is according to uh, the blast.com. It says, Duchess Megan Markle recently shared on her podcast with the genealogy that a gene- gene- genealogy test reveals she's 42% Nigerian. The Duchess of Sussex spoke to actress Issa Rae with uh, Zui Fumado and Professor Emily Bernard about her gene- gene- uh, genealogy and said she's going to dig deeper into her roots. The discussion was the first time Markle has spoke about her ancestry publicly. And you know what? When she spoke about it, she skipped right over the people, the very people, the very reason that she exists is because of the slaves survive. It's easy for us to come trace ourselves back to Africa. And I ain't mad at people doing that. But I am first a descendant of the American slaves. I'm so proud of the slaves. I'm so proud of their history. I'm so proud of them and what they endured and what they survived so that I can be here. How dare it trips me out when y'all deny them. Y'all deny the very reason you're here. You're alive. People don't understand how how terrible slavery, how hideous that institution was in America, and the very fact that a people survived it, that we as a people survived it's crazy. But it says Mark and our guests uh, discuss the angry black woman stereotype that affects black women, especially in the film industry. Look at her talking about angry black women. Oh, Megan, was, was it affecting you? Because did you even consider yourself black? Did you even think Megan considered talking about me and dad when she's on food? No. The former actress admitted that she sometimes is afraid to speak in her mind because of the fear of being labeled with the angry black woman stereotype. Now, I child, I don't believe that. In a previous episode featuring Paris Hilton, Marco explored the bimbo stereotype and revealed that her time as a briefcase girl on Deal or No Deal made her feel objectified. Marco showed that she eventually quit because she, the focus was on women's physical attributes. The latest episode of Mark, Marco's Archetypes podcast features professionally Emily Barnard. American actress Issa Rae and Nigerian-American talk show host Ziwe Fumada. The episode was titled Upending the Angry Black Woman Myth. And during the discussion, Marco revealed that she, looked, she took a genealogy test to investigate her ancestry. The Duchess of Sussex said per mirror, I just had my genealogy test genealogy done a couple of years ago. She's trying to snow y'all Nigerians. And her guest eagerly uh, asked her to share the results. Marco probably responded, I'm 43% Nigerian. And Zue excitedly shouted, no way. Marco giggled happily to their shock as they discussed their genealogy further. She said, are you serious? This is huge. Igbo, Yoruba, do we know? Uh, Marco then said she's going to start to dig deeper into her Nigerian heritage and genealogy. Not her slave heritage, not her background from slavery, but she want to skip all that and go over to fuck. See, that tells you a lot. Listen to people. It tells you a lot about it. And if we as black Americans was doing that shit a lot. We were skipping over. We wanted to be traced back to some elusive kings and queens because we, we as a people have been ashamed of slaves. Surviving. It was not their fault that they got kidnapped. And we are ashamed of that heritage of them, how 
how beautifully resilient and tough and the people they created and the talent and the something the world has never seen. I mean, the world had never seen. Black America did so many things. The world eyes have been on, on black Americans. And you can't do that without the slaves. Those fields that whatever that what God what they meant for evil, God meant for good. Whatever what happened to us that that birthed something. Those in those fields, picking cotton, being under extreme uh uh extreme conditions and how they treated uh, black people less than human, like three-fifths human. I don't need to go back to Nigeria or anywhere else, whoever, it's nice to know, but I don't really need to go there because the superheroes exist right there on them fields. Picking that cotton who was able to uh, survive some of the worst atrocities and build a group of people that the world will look at and admire all across the world. And no offense to Nigeria, it's nice to know where you're from, but damn all that, trace your roots right here in America. She's something else. She wouldn't. I don't got time to talk about Meghan Markle because Meghan Markle is a snow job, as I told y'all. Most of our guests also discuss the various stereotypes that affect black women in the and she, she reflects on some of her experiences as a retired actress. Markle asked Ray if she ever feels allowed to be angry. Megan, I don't believe that you thought of yourself as a black actress when you were on Suits. As a matter of fact, she actually did say a few couple of things back that she just she didn't really consider herself the blackness part of herself when she talked about being mixed with Mariah Carey. So I don't understand what she's talking about, her experiences, because I don't even think her experience was as a black woman. She didn't really get that black woman experience until she got to over there in Europe when she tried to marry, uh, when she married Harry, and they let her ass up. Then suddenly, and I think she, and I think the depression was, here's my thing, this is Carlotta one-on-one theory. My theory is that the, the depression, why she was depressed up in that castle, is because they were treating her like a black woman and not a white woman. She was pissed. She didn't know how to handle it. She like, I don't know how to handle being treated black. And see, if Harry had me up in there, I would. I've been. I'd be up there getting with him. They would, it, because I know what the experience of a black woman is. She did not. It just hit her real good. Over there, and look, they let her know. So she was marrying up. She's marrying up in the ruler class, and they let her know. Oh, what color is them babies gonna be? By the way, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she was a descendant of American chattel slavery. Ah, oh, child. Woo This snow job. Don't let her snow y'all. I wouldn't. She was forced. Maybe that's a good thing. Like she was forced, like Queen. She was forced to come to time with her blackness. Like, like in the movie Queen, I talk about that famous scene in the movie Queen after she's went about passing her whole time, and the white people find out she passed. She's been passing the whole time, and they treat her so bad and everything. And she come back to the black church to the black people, 
in the movie, Holly Berry has this one scene in Queen, and she goes, ah, Negra! That's what Meghan Markle's doing right now. <laughs> She's facing that reality. But it's important for us to see her for what she, what she, what she was. She's not one to admit that, but it's important. And it would do her some good to admit what she is, you know? I mean, admit that, oh, yeah, I was trying to run from it. it. It would do you some healing, you know? So a lot of people need racial healing. Racism is deep. I think as black people, every day we we get traumatized sometimes by ra- our racial identity, and we always have to constantly work on that. And especially women like Meghan Markle who have been in denial of that. You know, I feel like that sometimes feeds into mental illnesses. That's why I think her ass was depressed up in that castle because they wasn't treated. She had been used to being treated. She said a mixed woman. What is that? She was used to being treated as a white girl is what she was really trying to say. She was able to pass for a long time, and she probably was cool with it. And then they let her know, bitch, we ain't, you ain't passing up in here, right? And I think that depressed her. And she didn't get to be what she thought she was going to be over there. And when they wouldn't treat her like that, then she found a way to come back over here. She's trying to come back over here. And she's a Leo, so she's trying to find some sort of way to get the sunshine on, right? So she came back over here to America, and now she's trying to play to black people who who are overly admiring her. Uh, I don't know why y'all admire her, even the celebrities. What do y'all admire? Would y'all be admiring her if she was still on suit? Because y'all admire her because she made hair? I mean, what's the matter about that? Because most of them are admiring that you married into the royal family. I don't think there's nothing to be admired about. It's different if y'all was giving her love when she was on suit. There's so much to make, Mark. I can't dissect it tonight. There's so much here, and I, I don't even really want to talk about it. It's not that I dislike Megan. It's just that I see the snow job. Okay? Don't try to snow. Now they're trying to get the men. I'm 42% next year. <laughs> Let me stop, y'all. It's late. <laughs> All right, what else do I got to talk to y'all about? I'm asking that. Uh, we got the forty three percent. What else? Uh, okay. Now, divine. Okay, now let me talk about Tom and Gazelle. Uh, call it quits. Tom Brady and Gazelle uh, Bunchin. Bunchin is that Bunchin? Bunchin is how you say her name. Uh, call it quit. And a lot of y'all speculating again why these people are breaking up. A lot of y'all somehow. Tom's career, Tom Brady's career. I say again, I don't know these people. And it, you know what? These people could have been breaking up, get, get ready to break up for a long time. Y'all don't know. But it says Tom Brady and this is according to New York Post, I mean, page6.com. It says Tom Brady and Giselle had an ironclad prenup which allowed their divorce to be settled quickly, according to sources, while both of the uh, – Gridiron great in the supermodel are separately incredibly wealthy. The prenup allowed the swift division of their assets. A source said there was an ironclad prenup set down before they married in 2009. They both had their own separate business entities. So the separation of their wealth wasn't that complicated in the end. 
The other major factor was dividing up their massive property portfolios. It is believed Brady 45 will keep the $17 million mansion currently under construction. Uh, they bought a, a something in 2020. Let me see. Uh, the Post reported that ahead of their divorce, the Brazilian bombshell quietly purchased her own home in Miami Beach, a modest three-bedroom, three-bath pad for $1.25 million. So she say she would like to use this property as an office and also bought another larger home in the area. Um, after months living apart last week, Brady and Bunchen, who went in February 2009 in a private ceremony in Santa Monica, confirmed they were divorcing after 13 years of marriage. The supermodel filed for divorce in Glaze County, Florida on Friday, and the dissolution of the marriage was immediately uh, finalized. Brady did not contest the filing. Okay? Um, and a lot of y'all think it's because of his career. You just don't know. You don't know. You don't know what married folks. You, you know they probably been they probably been having problems last three or four years. People was asking me to talk about this. I don't know. I don't know if I know. I don't believe it was all because he wanted to come out of retirement. That might have triggered shit. But I, it was probably probably other. It's probably other problems compiled on with that. Okay. It's never just one thing. Okay. Next, who else? Dewan, Dwayne Wade and Savine back fighting again. Oh Lord, help us! Okay, what they they arguing about? Of course, she think uh, uh, Savine. Y'all know Savine. <laughs> the wild rumor of the divorce. Her and Dwayne Wade would play. She would play with Dwayne Wade. The way way that I, I used to call him no peace way because he didn't want no peace messing with Savon. Okay, Savon was at, making it hard out in the war streets. The the way way that's why Savon Fontaine claims he may be financially benefited from daughter Zaya's transition. The way way that's why Savon Fuchs is accused of former athlete of profiting from their daughter Zaya's gender identity. The podcast host Forty One made her claims. In an objection to the petition that Wade 40 filed officially changed the team's name. I have concerns that Wade may be pressuring our child to move forward with the name and gender change in order to capitalize on the financial opportunities that he has received from companies that were received based upon his statements to me on the basis of our child's name and gender change. Much as alleged in court documents obtained by Us Weekly, the former NBA star filed a petition in August requesting the court allow his 16-year-old daughter to legally change her name to Zaya and her gender to female. The Olympic gold medalist petitioned, but Funches did not. In her objection, Funches alleged that ex-husband told her in April that a lot of money had already been made in relation to our child's name and gender issue. The public speaker claimed that Zaya was present at the time and told her mother that Disney was a prospective business partner. I am concerned that our child is being commercialized at a young age and also of the uncontrollable consequence of media exposure, cyberbullying, statements, and our pictures taken out of context of our child and unwanted spotlight focused on our child. Functions continue. I contend that our child should not be given the opportunity to decide for themselves at the age of majority if they want to move forward with changing their name and our gender. As such, I respectfully request the court deny the petitioner's request to release. Um, I agree with Savon in this. You know, here's the thing, and I'm not not necessarily that they want financial gain because Dwayne Wade 
and has a lot of money. I think it's more power probably within that industry. I'm sure doors are opening and money financial doors. Uh, but he is a child, or she is a child, or they, whatever, you know, a child. And I think that is a decision that this child should have during these years they should be allowed to make privately and not one that they forced out here. He has 15 years old, don't understand, doesn't have an understanding, in my personal opinion, of probably what it means to be the spokesperson so young, because later on in life, pressure put on you, what if you want to change your mind? You know, so my thing is that is a process that should, especially for a young person, that these formative years, they should go through quietly and make the decision, and when they come of age, then go forth throughout them. But making money and talking about Disney contracts, all that shit and stuff like that, see, that's what's going on. That's not cool. And and it's it's not helping to me that young person to make a a decision, a a really thought-out, wise decision about their sexuality. And who they will choose to be in time. When you 12 years old, like I said, when I was 10, I thought I was Wonder Woman. I thought I was a Charlie Angel when I was nine. <laughs> I mean, when you, when you were a kid, you think I kind of shit, you know. So I feel like you need the formative years to grow and think. I don't think, you know, this young little kid right now, I feel, I feel like this little kid is still in, and they won't admit this because they love all where it's going and all the attention is gathering. But there's probably a certain amount of pressure that they are feeling that they don't understand and that can affect that decision or the making of that decision uh, right now and later on into the future. So I agree with Savannah. I think Savannah is doing a good thing here. I don't think this is, you know, like a regular she She be going out, you know, back in the day. <laughs> you know how Savannah used to be back in the day. <laughs> but I think this is really, uh, I, I think, hey, She's right to have these concerns. I, I see that, okay? Get it. Totally understand it. And I don't think it's a bad concern, all right? Uh, what is our last thing? Uh, Diddy became the Joker this week. He did an excellent job. They should consider him if they do another Joker. For real. No, he was, he had some, he was doing some strange things. A few minutes of video I saw. I mean, he <laughs> he really... I mean, he could be a fun joker. You know, he is a Scorpio. I said, it's nothing like a Scorpio in a Gemini costume and Scorpio suit. Because, <laughs> you know, I feel like the, the archetype for the Scorpio is, a lot of people say is, uh, is uh, what's the girl, uh, uh, what is her name? Uh, the Joker's, uh, oh, what is her name? Let me think of it. Uh what is her name? Uh, Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn is, a lot of people think Harley Quinn is the archetype of a Scorpio and that the Joker is the archetype of a Gemini. It's okay, or as some people will say Scorpio, but the Joker acts more like a Gemini. And, you know, I can say, yeah, I can see that. So, you know, uh, Diddy did it so well. I mean, he was really good. They should consider that if they do a movie. He, I was like, I was wondering if he auditioned it for it because <laughs> he was so good at it. So, yeah, I, I have to give it to him. 
even even though he was dressed up for Halloween, I was interested. I was like, dang, he would probably actually be kind of good in the movie as a Joker because he had these little movements and things he was doing with it. And I thought, damn, he might be good at being a Joker. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, I, I think it was a bad thing, all right? Get him for the next token, okay? <laughs> that would be interesting, all right? All right, y'all. Okay, so I'm to my last. Uh, that was it. That was my last story, I think. Is that my last story? Let me make sure. Like I told my last story. I think it is. I'm pretty sure it is the last story, okay? All right, you guys, listen. Let me make sure. I got to make sure. Even if it's not the last story, we don't, I will I will come with some more stories Uh Maybe during the weekend or something like that. I still am going to try to get my show together because I will. I have a couple of guests I want to come on, so I'll let y'all know about that later on. But listen, you guys have a wonderful rest of your week. Happy Happy Century to me. Thank you guys for some of y'all who wrote me and said Happy Birthday. I appreciate y'all so much. Thank you. Thank you for taking time out to say that to me. Shout out to some of my people in Barbados. Sharon, I see you. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Some of my people in New York who listen to this show. Uh, people in uh, Seattle. Uh, people, uh, Susie, I forget where you're at. So many people say happy birthday who listen to the show. Thank y'all so much. I appreciate y'all. Y'all don't know, okay? I appreciate y'all. Every last one of y'all. Thank you, uh, and y'all, again, everybody have a wonderful week. I will try to have a show on this weekend. You know, we'll see, because I got an essay coming up, y'all, and, you know, it's, it's getting down. It's, I got a month left. My graduation's coming up. I got to make sure I get up out of this month. <laughs> okay, so y'all have a wonderful rest of y'all week. Uh, happy uh, November to y'all, okay? Happy Scorpio season, all right? And it's a full moon coming up, November 8th. Full moon. Ooh, what's the full moon in Taurus? Yeah. Is there an eclipse happening? No, eclipse already happened. I don't know. Full moon in Taurus and Scorpio season is always sexy. Uh, who knows what might happen, okay? All right, y'all. Let me get this up. Hold on. Let me get this up. What's up? What are we going to leave out with? Hold on, y'all. See, I want to be smooth, but I can't. It never turn out there. <laughs> I try to be smooth with y'all, and I never get the... Uh, the smooth sign out. Okay. So we're going to leave out tonight with, I'm trying to think of great songs to y'all leave out with. Uh, you know what? I always like this song. I play it a lot on here. One of my favorite songs, uh, Lucky Day and Earth, Wind, and Fire, You Want My Love. It's the CC Show. I'm Carlotta. Y'all have, again, a good rest of the week. How many times have I said this? A hundred times. Have a great, have a great one, y'all. I will, hopefully I will do one this weekend, okay? If I don't, be looking for me next week, all right? I'm out. See (laughs) y'all.
Yeah. 